Had, we actually had music this time and have no fear the fu brothers are here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still laughing we are we're, we're, gonna, we're still laughing we're gonna so, be laughing for the rest of our lives it's all yeah, we got left yeah 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 so welcome to another episode of the fusion underground we are late in recording this episode uh oh. My apologies. I'll say it's my fault. Yeah, it's your fault. I'll no, take it. No, no. It's not your fault. It's 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 just it is what it is, man. Somebody had a yeah. birthday. Yeah, something like that happened along yeah. the way. Yeah. So but but we are we're here uh and we're recording. And I don't know about you, but I'm really tired from all of the writing I've been doing over the last several days. Absolutely. You know, I tried to go buy guns and ammo from Walmart and lo and behold, they ripped them all off the shelves for all the, the anticipation yeah. of my riot over there. Yeah. Which, it just kind of put a damper in my day. I wasn't really sure where to go first. Like, should I go to the grocery store to try to get ass paper or do I run to Walmart to, you know, to join all the like-minded individuals or do I go to Best Buy and get, you know, electronics? It was, it was really, um, you know, the, the decision-making was really tough with all of the writing that we're doing. I know. I know it was, it was hard, but you know what? I did all of those. You know, I went to, oh, okay. I went to uh, the store to try and get toilet paper and paper yeah. towels. No yeah. luck. Then yeah. I went to try and get guns and ammo. Oh, no luck. Um, went to get, you know what? My writing took kind of fizzled out. So I did what everybody else out there who uh, was on the right side of the aisle. You went to did. work. And I went to work. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, what do you got? What else are you going to do? Uh, you know, maybe I should have stayed home, collected my unemployment and food stamps and pissed and moaned about not getting my fair share. Yeah. Well, I should have. Maybe I should have done that. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should have done that. But, um, you know, today on the Fusion Underground, we're going to be talking about ideologies. And this oh, is boy. something this is something I've been thinking about for a long time. Uh, but because of the election, because of the way people have been acting now, I've been thinking about it for a while because of all of the riots that have been happening from the left, because of the the craziness that comes from the left often. And, and then and then we had the the election. And when we had the election, I thought, you know, of course, it didn't go the way that either one of us wanted. Um, and it, it actually, it actually went in similar fashion that then, um, in a way that I thought would happen. And I had been saying since 2016, when, when Trump won in 2016, I think it was a surprise to everybody. It was even a surprise to Trump. Sure. 
And, um, and it was certainly a surprise to anybody who voted for him. I, I went into that day in 2016 on election day thinking, well, I'm, you know, cast my ballot, but Hillary's going to be the next president. Right. And so it caught everybody by surprise. And I said that night, I said the night of election, I said, I said two things. Trump will be the last Republican president in my lifetime. And there is no way that the Democrats will allow the people of the United States to pick the next president. Mm. There was too much, there was too much at play. And, and leading up to just a few weeks beforehand, I was talking with some friends of mine and we had agreed that, you know what, Trump will, it will be very obvious that Trump would, would have won or will have won on election night, but that the Democrats were going to continue to count and they were going to find votes. And, yep. and the question becomes, well, why would you ever get to that? Why, why would you draw that conclusion? And when you look at like what happened in 2018, I believe it was in the state of Washington, right? We had, a, you know, the, the Republican and Democrat ran for governor and the Republican governor ran and the Democrats kept counting votes and counting votes and counting votes until the Democrat actually won. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a very similar thing that happened to Al Franken many years before. Also in 2018, there were a number of races that went that way where the Republican had won and then the Democrats continued to count votes uh, until their side won. And this always seems to happen in favor of the Democrats. It never really seems to happen in favor of just kind of, you know, the libertarian or the Republican or the Green Party person. It always seems to to fall into one to one category. So. Right. Long story short, the election election night went exactly at, like we were talking about, not you and I, but some other friends of mine and I were talking about, and that was, it looked very apparent, Trump had actually won on election night, and then the steal was on in, in broad daylight, and you and I have talked about this before, we said, sure. you know, yep. there there has to be an overwhelming number of voters who come out in favor of Trump, and that actually happened, and the Democrats had to do so much so much stealing that it's now become extremely apparent that the steal is on. Like there's so much fraud that it's out in the open. And yet you have this cognitive dissonance. If you even stop to even acknowledge the fact that the voting is, or the fraud is so massive, uh, it's, it's almost difficult to believe. It is. And, and, you know, you were talking before, but if, if this is just a, a bias talking, you know, is right, this right. it? And in all fairness, I can understand the argument. Well, you know, um, I can see the left saying, well, just because Trump doesn't want, of course, you guys think that um, that all this fraud happened. But I have very liberal friends very liberal friends and um some of them who i just haven't talked to in quite a long time especially as the election has come closer the distance between us and them has gotten greater but even after all said and done even they are coming to me and calling me or texting me going dude this doesn't smell right this doesn't doesn't. feel right this is just off i mean this you know, I'm, I understand the, the arguments back and forth, but really, you mean to tell me that there's 400,000 ballots that were just found and all of them, I mean, every single solitary one is for one candidate? Right. That's, that's a statistical impossibility. It's impossible. It is absolutely impossible when you look at the way that voting was occurring. 
it's impossible that you can find four, just randomly, randomly find a batch of 400,000 votes and 100% of them. And this was across both Michigan and Wisconsin, that a total of 400,000 votes and 100% of them, not one vote was for any other person, not even not just, well, you're just saying that because it wasn't for Trump, but not any other person. I mean, there's multiple people on the ballot and not one of them goes for anybody else. We had a situation where um, there was another story just a few days ago where two guys who had all kinds of uh, firearms in a truck were actually apprehended and they were trying to, they were trying to smuggle thousands of a truck full of thousands of ballots into Mm -hmm. Philadelphia. Right. Uh, right. We had another example, another story of a postal worker who was trying to get into Canada with, with thousands of ballots. Um, Now we've, we've had reports of, uh, you know, software glitches in Wisconsin or Michigan in Michigan, where an entire county, um, it was like, at, you know, from this, from these machines, two votes went to Trump, the rest went to Biden. So they're switching votes. And then it, we, we learn the, the very next day that that same software was used across 30 different counties. Um, well, and actually, from what I heard, it was 28 different states. Maybe, well, I, and maybe I'm wrong, but and it's I mean, in multiples. Yeah, it's now yeah. come. It's that that was just in Michigan, where the yeah. software was yeah. found in in thirty. I think it was thirty two different um, different counties. But but now it's coming out that this is this is being propagated across multiple different different states. Uh, I read another article today uh, how people were finding out that they even though they haven't lived in California for a number of years, they were actually they had votes cast in California. Uh, that's been coming to light. It, they don't even, they didn't even need to cheat in California. And yet here they're cheating in California. Right. Um, it's <clears> now come to light that thousands of dead, thousands of dead people. I'm not just talking people that died in the last six months to a year. I'm talking people that died decades ago where right. stories are coming to light where tens of thousands of people who have died decades ago have voted miraculously. They voted in places like Wisconsin and Michigan and Arizona, Um, it's, it's so rampant that when you, when, when you look out on the world, Russia is coming out and saying, there's something wrong with the United States election system. When (laughs) Russia says that bad news, bears, man, (laughs) bad news. Uh, A buddy of mine said it best. He said, Afghanistan, Afghanistan has cleaner elections than the United States. As an American, that should make you that should make you take pause. We are supposed to be, yes, I know democracy, et cetera, was supposedly born in, in Greece, right? In ancient Greece. But but in the modern world, we are supposed to be that beacon of freedom, liberty, um, you know, free elections, democracy, all that kind of stuff. That's what we are supposed to be. Yep. And our election now is a, a complete and total shit show. It's an absolute shit show. It means absolutely nothing. I personally believe that Biden will be, he will, he will get the electoral votes. He'll be inaugurated in, in January, on January 20th. Um, and, and what does this mean? There are millions of Americans who realize because of this election that their voice does not matter, that there, there's no point. There's no, if, if you, if if people are allowed to get away with this, um, then there's no point to voting. Right. 
Well, and, and regardless of, so <clears throat> let's say Biden is actually, he, he, he wins the election. He gets the electoral mm -hmm. vote. He's inaugurated on the 20th of January. Um, <coughs> excuse me. That to me does not matter. Uh, I mean, is it what I want? No, but does it matter? Not necessarily what I think the American people deserve. And you know what, frankly, I'll make it personal. Me as a voter, what I deserve is to have a sense of confidence restored in me about our electoral system and about our election. And I have zero right now. I have more faith in the United States postal service than I do in our electoral system at the moment. Well, and, and I don't believe I'm alone. You're not alone. And, and, and when I say that people will become disenfranchised for that, but because of all of this, it's, I mean, if, if you do not align with the Democrat party right now, even if you are a Democrat, why should you vote? Why, why should you? Because the steel is going to be in this going forward. I mean, there has been evidence over, over the last 10, 20 years of, of voter fraud in small little pockets, right? And we tend to write it off and go, well, that was an isolated case. That was an isolated incident. Um, but this is so rampant that there, there's literally no reason for any sane person to cast a ballot at the federal level now, even at the local level, because they're going to be cheating so much that there's no reason to vote because the, the steel is going to be in. And if you think that, uh, if you think that it's just, well, it was just this election, things will go back to, there's too much at stake now. No, there, there, there's, there's far too much at stake. The Democrats, the, the day or two after the election, they got together on their conference call and the Democrats were livid because one, they did not get the blue wave that they thought they were going to get. Mm -hmm. which means they were only doctoring all of these votes to get Biden elected. And they still didn't perform as well as they would have liked in the Senate and in the House of Representatives and even at the governor level. And so a lot, and so what they realized at their conference call was we're going to get, we're going to get socked in, in 2022. And they can't have that now. They mm -hmm. can't lose they can't completely give a, a super majority to the Republicans because even if Republican voters were so outraged over this election and they turn out to the polls in 2022, there's a legitimate risk that that Republican voters could give Congress over to the Republicans. And and that means the Democrats are essentially out of power um, other than in the White House. And the Democrats don't want that. There's way too much at stake. So there's no guarantee that the election of 2020 is going to be a legitimate election. So I ask you again, why should anybody vote? <sighs> I don't know that I'm in a, a good place right now to answer that question <laughs> because I, again, right now, I don't have any faith in our, no, I don't uh, in our electoral system. Yeah. And, and that's what really about this whole thing, it, it just eats at the heartstrings of me the most. If, if I truly believed that the support in this country was there for Biden or, or even the anti-Trump support existed sure, sure. to vote him in, because honestly, 90% of the people that I know that have voted for Biden, they don't know why other than they hated Trump and they, they cannot right. give me a single reason. So, right. right. And, and I'm going to, 
just say, so even if I believed that the vast majority or the majority of people, enough people existed to vote Biden into office were there and that the votes were legitimate. If I could believe that I would be disheartened, but saying, okay, what are we going to do over the next four years? How do we survive this to come out? Sure. What pisses me off is that the, the appearance of foul play is so overwhelmingly in everybody's face. Yeah. It's overwhelming that even the retort to the argument is, eh, you're nothing to see here. Right. No, there's everything to see here. It's all right here. It's right in front of you. That's a big issue. Yeah. And yes, I, I, you know, they did a dry run of this in um, 2018 and they got away with it then. Right. Um, And they said, okay, it's time to go full scale. We did it. We got away with it. We've been sitting here waiting, going, come on, come at me. What you got? And, Nothing and, happened. And, and nobody... that's the part about this that really just drives me bonkers is they literally they're sitting there going, okay, prove it. Yeah. Come at me. Come well, at me. Bro. There, there's, there's plenty of that there right now. There appears to be tons of, of evidence that support it. And, and you have the you have people who are the diehard ideologues on the left who are saying no it didn't or you're that's just sour grapes but you know and and so i've been you know and i mentioned this to you before we started recording that you know i have to stop and think my think to myself and say is this just my bias speaking is this sour grapes i have to you know is there actual evidence is it is it isolated incidences or is there an overwhelming sense of uh, of, of just something that smells wrong. And there's a lot of things here that smell wrong. I checked my ballot, uh, here in, here in Arizona. One of the things that I don't like, they changed it in recent years is it used to be that you could go online and you could see how you voted. You could check your ballot, see that it was counted. And then it would report on the site, um, who you voted for in the different, uh, in different categories. Uh, they took that away. You can't see. So you can see that your ballot is now counted or accepted or rejected or whatever, but you don't, you can't see who it actually was tallied for. And I don't like that. Um, And I don't know why they changed that. The other thing that bothers me is here in Arizona, when I checked my ballot, my ballot was actually shown to be received by the state of Arizona days before I actually turned in my ballot to the open polling place. So my question is, how did you receive my ballot be- like five days before I turned it in? Yeah, when it was I, still sitting here. in Exactly, my, when I still desk. had it in my hand. Right. Um, and, and so that's a, that's a, my ballot was accepted. But again, it was accepted early and before I turned it in. And I have no idea how it was actually counted. Uh, and, and that's a huge huge problem. And here in the state of Arizona, there were, there were a number of polling places that were rejecting ballots because people had used black Sharpies. Well, at polling places, they were giving black Sharpies to people to, yeah. to cast their, to cast their ballot. A buddy of mine, he was actually on this show, Paul, the artist, when yeah. he was on the show, he went down to vote the day of election. And he said, no, I was handed a Sharpie. They gave me a Sharpie to use and his vote has been has been uh, rejected and thrown out. So um, there's there's a there's a lot of stuff here 
that doesn't smell right. Yeah. Wait, time out. Mm -hmm. What are you supposed to use? Well, I get the argument that if you if you have to flip the ballot over and you know it might bleed through. There's who knows. I don't know exactly how the sharpie appears on the ballot. I'm not a poll worker. I'm not working there. Um, but it if if the ballot is marked and it can't be read in the reader, then it should be counted by hand. Well, but they get I, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I went and voted in person. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because I tr- trusted <laughs> that, yeah, they gave me a black marker. Now, right. I my my memory, sorry, it's not what it used to be. It's two kids. Um, they gave me a black marker to use. Did it say Sharpie on the side? I don't remember, but right. they gave me a black marker. And isn't that what there's you're supposed to use? Is the well, black marker think. that they give you you would think but again they were saying that sharpies were they sharpies caused the reader to read incorrectly and so ballots that had that were marked with sharpies were tossed they weren't counted by hand they were tossed tossed so uh, you know because there is so much malfeasance that is present or at least the pre- the 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 idea of malfeasance is present then there needs to be an audit of the voting, not a recount per se, because a recount just gives you the same number. An audit actually tells you whether or not they um, it should be accepted or not. I mean, there was a, there were there were stories where um, on election night in Virginia, they were the polling place, the polling station said we're done for the night. The Republicans left. And the Democrats stayed and continued counting ballots without the Republican observers present. There were other stories that happened on election night where in Virginia, for example, they were the poll, uh, the poll um, pollsters were sent home and they took the ballots home with them. They took boxes of ballots home with them. Um, this, is a, this is egregious. If you work for um, you know, a medical company if you work for the hospital, you you can get fired for taking patient files home. Yes. Um, and yet we were take they were taking ballots home. Now there are situations where people are just they don't want to vote for president, so they're going to leave a blank. Well, who knows if somebody left a blank and then somebody sees it and they're going through ballots and manufacturing new ones and marking marking things that were empty and mm-hmm. you know who knows what's going on in Georgia. There were uh, there were um, poll members who were going out. The pollsters were going door to door to correct ballots, and they were being told to to get people to vote for the Democrat. Um, I mean, this is. This is egregious. There was one. There was one story the day after, um, when they were trying to resume counting. the The Democrat side had completely locked the building. They locked the Republican side out of the building, and they were resuming counting inside the building. And they would not allow the Republican uh, overseers to come in and watch them count. So they were pushed away. They were pushed out of it. Um, I, the, the stories are. The stories seem to be endless right now. We've got. We have hundreds of counters the people that count the ballots who were told who were trained and told to count them uh in different ways than how they were marked um those stories are now coming out um it it it, but every time you unearth one of these stories 10 more pop up and if you're gonna sit there and tell me oh that's just sour grapes look look you know 
the Democrats for four years ran on, they ran the story that, that Putin influenced our election and he was working with Trump and what you, you demanded that that story be investigated and it got investigated. Yeah. There are people that are saying, Hey, this doesn't smell right. There seems to be a lot of weird crap going on that it deserves to be investigated to either be proven true or to be fixed. And you know what? It could actually be proven if we investigated it and it turns out that, you know what, Biden did, maybe he still wins. Maybe, yes, there is fraud. Maybe there is fraud and we get rid of the fraud ballots and whatever's left over, those are the legitimate ballots that should go to Biden and he wins the election. That is okay. That's okay. I'm, and again, this is what I said. I'm, I'm not happy, but I'm okay with that. Exactly. I I can have some sort of semblance within myself that the electoral system has merit. Right. and, And at least as an American voter, we would all be able to say, Either a, either you're happy with the outcome or you're not, but at least at the end of the day, we can say, you know what, what, no matter what the outcome was, there was, there was a lot of fraud. The fraud got corrected. Our justice system did its job. Our, the legal system that we place our trust in, it worked. And yeah, maybe the guy that I didn't want, want to win still wins, Mm -hmm. but at least there would be more confidence restored in the actual system itself. And there, right. if, if this, if this kind of auditing does not take place, then there's literally no point for anybody to vote again because they'll just, they'll do it all. And the only reason why they didn't do it in 2016 is because everybody they didn't thought think they need to, they didn't think they needed to. Everybody right. thought that Hillary was going to win the, and it was a shock to them that she didn't, which is why, this has been an ongoing thing. Did you see the story? It came out, I think, a, a, a day or two after the election. Um, I think it was like Thursday of last week that it hit. Um, but there was a story, and I don't know how true this was, but the story was that the Department of Homeland Security did a sting. Was yeah. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I did. I did, actually. And I I showed that to a couple friends, even my, my, my mom. Um, and... Uh, of course, the first now here's here's something really kind of cool that I like, because when I showed it to people, the first reaction was, OK, that sounds awesome. It would make sense th- you know, but put that all aside. Is this viable? Is this true? Did this know. really happen? You know, but what I found interesting to me was that the people I shared that with they wanted to fact check it first and react second. Yeah. If I would have shown that to someone, let's pre- let's flip this around. Let's pretend that Trump won and the the Democrats were saying the fix was in and it was all the and that came out, the media would have run with that. Yeah. 100% gotten everybody all worked up and gone with it and never once bothered to even ask the question was yeah. it viable let yeah. alone actually fact check it so it was it was interesting to me to see the dichotomic differences between um yeah. the mentality there so yeah so um yeah i think we're in a really i think we're in a very precarious spot as americans i think mm-hmm. um i think there are going to be i literally i believe that if if 
if some sort of justice is not carried through. And I think um, let's just, let, for the sake of argument, let's uh, let's say that yeah, there has been isolated fraud. There have been incidences of of, of fraud. Um, then though, then the people who took part in it and allowed themselves to be taken part of it to to be used, um, whether they're just a simple counter, I don't I don't care if you if you're a, if you're counting the ballots and you knew that you were, one, you were trained, you were being coerced or forced or paid off or whatever to vote, to count them incorrectly. And two, you did it, you should go to jail. Mm -hmm. Because, the, the, and, that, and that should be for everybody. It doesn't matter whatever level they are, because remember, you're not too, anybody can go to jail. I remember the whole Democrats kept saying that you're not too big to, to, to go to jail, to go to prison. Well, then anybody, it doesn't matter at what level this is occurring within the government or within these political parties, uh, all the way down to the guy who's a janitor, but he, he volunteers time to count ballots. Every single person who participates in the fraud should go to prison. And the reason why is because there needs to be shock and awe so that the, that it stops it because the only way something like this works is when the volunteers, the people like you and me who want to do our part for democracy and we want to volunteer time, people have to understand if you're going to be there at, at the, at the polls and you're going to be checking people in and you're going to be that you could go to prison. If you do this incorrectly, that's how much this matters. Otherwise, they're just going to strengthen. They're going to adapt. They're going to learn. They're going to figure out that's not how you do things. And there's not going to be that skin in the game where people say, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to go to prison. Right now, there's no threat of penalty for any of this. Nobody, I, I don't know about you, but I don't believe anybody's going to be punished over this. I don't believe anybody's going to take the fall. I don't believe anybody's going to be fined. I don't believe anybody's going to go to jail. And so what you're going to have is, there's no reason not to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, I I actually see a middle ground. Um, I, I don't disagree with you for the most part about needing to see some heads roll. And I mean from top down. But um, I think this, this whole investigation and all of this will play out. We, will, uh, we won't uncover fraud. What we will uncover is procedural irregularities. Oh, of course. And I think there will be a couple. And that's not good enough. Two, maybe three sacrificial lambs who will get uh, reprimanded and or fired um, because they allowed procedural uh, inadequacies to occur. Yeah. And that'll be the end of it. And they'll say, well, we investigated it. We found these things. We can't say that this affected the election in any way. But because of that, we went ahead and fired uh, Mr. A, Mrs. B, and Mr. C. Right. They'll get and that'll fired. Be it. And that's, but, that's it. Nothing to see here. We did our due diligence. Everybody shut up and they'll go back to. They'll, doing they'll, they've get, they'll get fired. They'll write a book. They'll go on talk circuits, on talk show circuits or whatever. They'll make $10 million a piece explaining their story and how, how big of a shit show it is. Uh, and then the next election, all they'll do is the, the people who did this will just, well, they'll fix it and they'll make sure that they don't get caught next time. Um, and, and you know what, I even think that there's the possibility that there are Republicans at play here that were participated in this. There are a number of, of Republicans, especially in, in levels of the government that don't like Trump. Oh, um, there's quite a few. And, and I, I really do believe, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. 
Well, I, I think that some of them, if they were at play in this, they should suffer just as much because there are Absolutely. many of them. There are there are many lifetime politicians, political people who are who claim to be Republicans, and they are, uh, and and they could have participated in this, and their heads should roll just the same because yes. it's it's disgusting, it's egregious, and it's 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 a terrible terrible stain on on our country. Yep. And I, and I do believe that there's a handful of them actually involved if the, if they were, and you know, the, the, Trump's not been a fan of anybody up there, sure. especially those lifelong politicians. He's made a few allies, but he's made a lot of enemies on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. There's a lot of Republicans that are still part of the never Trumpers. And I right. do believe that there's a large majority of them who said, you know what, this, uh, uprising of the american people and all these trump supporters out there those are republican voters and yeah. so if we get him out of the way we put the dementia patient in the white house we survive him for four years guess what we've got a lock on all those people who are yeah. going to come vote republican in 2024 and yeah. that's what they think they just yeah. think that we're yeah. just going to tow the party line but what they don't understand they still after all this time don't get that there were a lot of people that trump brought to the table who can't yeah. stand the republican party and there's a lot of democrats who he brought that can't stand the republican party either but they voted yeah. for him as well because he was able to reach out to some of these people and they think that well they're just going to be able to lock them in after four years of uh, Sleepy Joe, and they'll just they'll clean the board in 2024. Yeah. Well, I'll tell yeah. you right now, if you don't clean up this election crap, most of the people that voted for Trump aren't even going to bother to show up on they're election day 2024. They're, they're not going to show up. You know, now what, what kills me is, um, um, you know, now this is a perfect time. This is a perfect opportunity. If there hasn't been a better opportunity now is the perfect opportunity for the Libertarian Party to actually do something and to reinvent themselves and to come out of the woodwork and get people like me, who I've always wanted to, to be part of the Libertarian Party, but I don't want to throw my vote away. Um, and I don't want to throw my vote away in terms of voting for third party. Uh, but there's a perfect opportunity for the libertarians to actually make noise. The problem with the libertarians is they look freaking crazy. They're always um, look like crazy people. <laughs> they do. They look like crazy people. And then you say, oh, well, Manuel, they're not that crazy. Yeah, they actually are. Just a few years ago at their convention, their spokes guy on stage stripped down to his underwear and was doing a jig on stage during their convention. And, and this was captured, it was broadcast onto the internet and it was broadcast for everybody to see. The, the, you can't, the problem is up until this point, nobody could take the libertarian seriously. And then, and case in point, Oregon turns around last week and they legalized basically, you know, crack cocaine and mm -hmm. methamphetamines and, and all kinds of crystal meth and all kinds of crap. They basically said, yeah, man, party on Wayne. Uh, and the rest of the country said, what the fuck is wrong with Oregon? Yeah. Like, wh wh why would you do that? Well, um, I, I mean, how far are we away? We just legalized marijuana right. here in Arizona. Right. Which, and that I'm not, and that right. I'm okay with. The, I'm even okay with legalizing the drugs. 
it's because I'm always a fan of, of erring toward more liberty. If you're going to make any mistake, err toward the side of liberty. And I think a lot of those laws that, that punish Americans for doing crack and all this kind of stuff that they, all they're doing is making criminals where people probably, you know, if you want to inject shit into your veins and die, go right ahead. Um, make that, make that decision. And I will support your freedom to be able to make that stupid asinine decision the, the truth of the matter is, is people aren't lining up to do crack. They're not lining up to do crystal meth. They're not lining up to shoot heroin. But if you want to shoot the heroin, I, it's shocking the gene pool for all I care. Go ahead and knock yourself out. Um, the, the problem is, is the way that we communicate these things, as especially the libertarian side, they look like freaking whack jobs and they get broiled. <laughs> they get embroiled into these debates about, Oh yeah, let's make all the drugs legal. And they look like insane people. But if I was a libertarian, if I was running on the libertarian party, I'm not going to, my first action in being elected to Congress, isn't going to write a bill saying, yeah, everybody let's shoot up. I'm not going <laughs> to, it's just, ah, <laughs> uh, it's, <laughs> Well, that's an interesting thought. I mean, as a as a libertarian candidate, now the argument's always been, at least from from what I've heard, uh -huh. that the libertarian only takes votes away from the Republican Party uh -huh. because the Democrats are they're lockstep; they're all locked together. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, and and this is a general question, general ponderance, if you will, has Trump's success or popularity? proven otherwise because he's he's held himself out as really i guess not really a republican and and if you remember he ran as a democrat long time ago he was a democrat for a long for a number of years he was so a democrat yeah does he change the political spectrum and is there a i guess you know 30 30 30 percent split amongst americans right now where a libertarian party could actually exist I, I think there is. I think there are a number of people that are starting to realize that, wait a minute, there are certain things that I'm in favor for. I'm in favor of more individual liberty. Okay. But I also am tired of paying high taxes. Mm -hmm. There's common ground there. Sure. And that, and, and you, you know, <clears throat> you're going to pull the people that are conservatives who say, I'm done paying higher taxes. I don't, I'm, don't tax me anymore. Leave me the hell alone. And you're going to pull those, you're going to pull the liberals that say, well, I want to be able to shoot heroin into my veins. So let me do whatever the hell I want to do. Okay. Well, there's, there's enough room under that tent in the libertarian party where we can say, yeah, let's maximize individual liberty and let's reduce taxes. That sounds like a winning combination to me for a party. And it can pull from both sides. Uh, you know, the, the, the problem is, is the libertarians seem to, to whack, whack a doodle in order yeah. to, to take, uh, to take, take us up on that offer. Well, and I think a big part of that is they don't actually emphasize what I've always said, you know, liberty has a cost. It has a price or should with, with freedom comes responsibility and, re and, right. and accountability. Correct. And I think if you were to actually run on that platform and understand that, yes, we're going to maximize your individual liberties, but we're also going to maximize your individual accountability. Right. Um, I think that is appealing enough to both sides to be able to go, okay, let's talk yeah. about what that looks like. Yeah. Well, let, let's also remember, you know, remember the, the education bill passed. I knew that was going to pass here in Arizona. Oh yeah. 208. 
uh, right. 208, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're given more so, money to, to schools because, you know, well, you're evil if you don't. Um, and so, so for the, the 10th time in the last 10 years, we're passing, a, we're passing to raise taxes on ourselves, uh, even if it's a portion of the, of the economy. So, um, you know, good job, Arizona, you're going to crush more job growth here because the taxes mm -hmm. will go up, you know, yep. um, the, the, de the new Democrat administration will raise taxes, they'll repeal taxes the the, the Trump tax cuts, uh, which means 90% of Americans received a Trump tax cut. So those taxes will go up across the board. And, and then those, those who make $400,000 a year or more, I think is what it targeted here in Arizona, their taxes will go up because of 208. You know, 250, I think. Uh, uh, I think it was only 250,000. Yeah. So right. that's all small businesses yeah, and, and all new developers. Uh, yeah. It's pretty much every small to business. Start business. Yep. Um, you know, a buddy of mine was talking about it and he said, you know, he, his, his idea, which I think was, was pretty brilliant. We were talking about this. Um, he, 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 he wants to pay teachers like bottom of the barrel, mm -hmm. like start them off with just a basic stipend, like $10,000 a year. And then you get a bonus based on each of your students that passes certain tests throughout the year. Hey. And I said that that well, was my idea, but here's, here's the <laughs> kicker. What you didn't say was how that idea would immediately turn teachers into racists because now you're going to be having teachers in the, in the teacher's lounge saying, no, I don't want that kid from the ghetto. Give me the Asian over there <laughs> yeah. because I want them on my class. And you're going to have these backroom deals of teachers trading off for everything. Mm -hmm. And you're immediate. You're immediately going to have teachers turn into visceral racists, which is actually true. Because if if you were going to get ten thousand dollars a year, okay, and there and you're an inner you're an inner city teacher, and your classrooms are usually filled with Hispanic students who speak English as a second language, and black students from the ghetto you're not going to want to teach those kids because it's going to directly impact your, your dollar, your, 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 your pocket, take home. Mm -hmm. your, your, right. your take-home pay is going to be terrible because right. you're not going to be able to get those teachers because most of our teachers, I'm going to say it. Most of our teachers are garbage. Yep. Most of the well, teachers are absolute garbage. So the, when I had actually brought this up, I talked about a, a very low salary. And, and almost like any other salesman out there where you get bonuses based on performance. <clears throat> so the better your kids do and your students do in class, the, the, the higher your compensation is for that. And maybe that'll start incentivizing teachers to actually teach kids again. Crazy thought. Um, but I was talking about this with uh, my buddy TJ, whose wife's a teacher. Um, and he said, you know, they, I think they tried something like that before. And what we found was that teachers were just giving kids answers to the, the right. tests, which and they means were you can't answers. do it that way, which right. means, which, which we talked about, you can't, you can't have, you have to do it with like a third party actually giving the tests. They used to do it when I was in school, you would get together, you would do your career test and the teachers weren't allowed to go in and right. the students would go in and then the third party would come in and they would administer the test. We do it for adults when we're taking, when we're one, when we're taking college, college tests, we do it when people are taking a test for an exam for like a certification, um, they're proctored the exams. 
uh, PSAT and the SAT. Exactly. They're, yeah. you, you do them as proctored exams mm -hmm. and you remove, the, you remove the teacher out of it and the teacher can't give them the exam. The, well, they can. they can. They could absolutely teach to the exam. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, that, that at least they're, in the end, they'll likely learn something, but I still guarantee you that those teachers will turn it to rabid racists because they won't want to teach the poor Hispanic and black kids. They'll actually want the Asian kids. They'll be fighting. They'll be falling over each other, trying to get the Asian kid mm -hmm. who, who barely speaks a lick of English, but it's the, but it's the Asian kid who can run circles around the, the science and, you know, math questions on the exam and blow everybody, obliterate everybody out of the water in terms of test scores. Give me that guy because I'm going to, I got a mortgage payment to make. Right. Right. Well, and that's why you got teachers who would be clamoring and clanging to get into all these charter schools that we're looking to try and close because they, they make all the public schools look bad. Yeah, of course they do. And you, you know what? And, and I'm, I can't, I can't stress enough when I say that most of the teachers are absolute garbage because they absolutely are. My stepson is working on algebra. He's trying to do linear equations and he was busting his mind trying to figure out why he wasn't getting the right answer, the same answer that his teacher got. We took, we took one look at the problem and within five seconds, we realized that the teacher can't do simple multiplication. I mean, it was something, it was something as simple as like two times 10 and we're like, well, that should be 20. And how the teacher got 47 is beyond me. These <laughs> teachers are absolute, absolutely pathetic. They're garbage and they shouldn't be teaching. And, and like 90% of them need to just get the heave ho out of there and, and put teachers in there that actually one want to be there and two understand the, the the topics that they're actually teaching most of these teachers they want to be there sure and a lot of them say well i want to do it for the children um okay fine i i can't see into your heart you probably do want to do it for the children but you're a fucking idiot is what i'm gonna tell you because you can't multiply two times goddamn 10 you think it's fucking 47 Jesus Christ, I hate these teachers. They piss me off. And all they do is they bitch about wanting more money for a profession that they knew they weren't going to get paid a pittance for in the first place. And I have to deal with it. And they're creating little kids that are absolute morons when they go to college. Yes. Yes. But the good news is once they get to college, we get to tell them it's not their fault. It's not that they didn't learn anything. It's And it's all about their feelings. And it's yeah. okay. We're going to give you the piece of paper that's going to open doors. And if somebody right. tells you you're not good enough, well, they're probably racist, misogynist, homophobic, sexophobic, right. you know, right. whatever. Pick a ism. And uh, that's why. So you just go down that road. You, you get taken care of. It's not your head. That right. attaboy. And, and, you know, when it just, it, it, what it, what, why this infuriates me is because so many kids are just, they, they want to learn. Yeah. There are kids that don't really want to be at school. And, and, you know, we have to, as, as adults, we have to tell them, well, you got to suck it up. You'll eventually be done. But there are so many children who literally they're craving, they're like little sponges and they're just, they'll just soak up information. And there are a lot of students or a lot of little kids that they do have big dreams. They do have aspirations. They do want to do good in school. They want to go to college or they want to go start a business or they want to go do something. And they're hungry for that knowledge. And we are putting adults in front of them that are absolute morons. And, and we, we applaud them as if they're some kind of saints. And you know what? 
you would be a saint to me if you can get these kids, if you can get those inner city kids to learn and get them to understand and get the light bulbs to turn on. But most of them cannot do so. They're incapable of doing so because they're absolute morons. Replace them with the teachers that want to be there, with people that know how to teach, that know the, the topics at hand, and, and, and who can turn those light bulbs on. The profession doesn't have to be littered with mediocrity and the profession of teachers is absolute mediocrity and it's terrible because it's garbage and our kids deserve better. They deserve to have teachers that they can aspire to, that they can learn from, that they can trust to actually teach them something worthwhile. And our, the, the teaching profession is just disgusting. Yep. It's, it's really interesting watching kids learn something and, and how, it's fantastic. Genuinely excited they get. You know, my, my daughter's young. She's young. Um, but when she actually picks up on something or learns a concept or she wants to, Daddy, look at I drew or, or I, I made my M's and they're getting better. They look, you know, more like M's now. And when you when you actually go, wow, those look really good. Who, who did those for you? Did mommy do those? No, I did. Wow, those look great. You can see just overwhelming yeah. on her face how pro we talked last week about um developing a schema remember yeah um and one of the things i talked about was the i used a, a, an analogy of like changing a tire and you start developing that sense of a personal accomplishment and achievement and those kind of things they build us up as people as individuals right, right. And when you learn something new and then you can actually demonstrate that, you know, a new concept to you and somebody else go, wow, that's, that's right. You got it. It, it really does. uplift, And you see yeah. these kids just light up. It's like yeah. their whole life. Just somebody flipped the switch on and it doesn't have to be over anything huge. Just little, little itty bitty things that starts at birth and it continues on yeah. until we smack it out of them and we start making learning a chore not a self-fulfilling achievement and that happens early unfortunately and then they're like well i don't want to now i don't want to now I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw the 10% of teachers that are worth a damn, the 10% of teachers that actually know what the hell they're doing, the 10% of teachers that are actually good at what they're at, at what they do. I'm going to throw them a bone and I'm not going to put all of this on, on the good teachers as well, but there's a big part of this that parents own at own too, because sure. we, at our society has turned into this this amorphous blob of, of mediocrity, even on the parent side, because, you know, there was a time when we would send our kids to school and it was, you listen to your teacher, you do what they tell you to do. And if you don't listen to your teacher, I'm going to bust your ass. Yeah. And we don't have the teachers back for those teachers that are good. And so this, because the teachers, they can't even, there's no semblance of discipline. And I'm sorry when teachers say, well, I'm not, I didn't become a teacher so that I can discipline. You're dealing with 30 children. 
there has to be you some better rules. create some order there. there <laughs> yeah, because if you don't have order in your classroom, you can't have the student, the, the the adults be standing in the background all the, all day long, making sure that there's order in the classroom. No, that's your job. That's called doing your job as a teacher. So you have to create that order in the classroom. You have to create a sense of discipline in order to maintain that order so that you can actually teach those kids. And we've gotten to a place where, where, you know, the vast majority of parents, they don't want their child disciplined in even the remotest, smallest iota of, if it even smells like discipline, I'm going to go into the go into the principal's office, scream and yell, and I'm going to call for the head of the teacher on a pike. And that's not the right way that you're not doing your child any benefit. You're not doing them any good either. You're sending the wrong message. And then the teacher goes, screw this. I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to let my, I'm going to let the little, the little hellions do whatever the hell they want to do. And I'm going to collect my paycheck and I'm going to have three months off every year. F off. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, so parents are just as much as, uh, just as much as at fault. And, well, and, and we've, uh, we've perpetuated the mediocrity in the classroom. Sure. Yeah, you remember you read a story um, not too long ago about the the distance uh, learning and all this video stuff, yeah. and um, the cops got called because a kid was playing with a toy gun. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Now, what did I say when you told me that? I said one of the things that pissed me off about the most: if you're a teacher in a class, take ownership and responsibility right. for your class. Take and if you're teaching a class and you see Jacob or Jimmy or uh, Bobby Sue, I don't care who yeah. it is in the back playing with a toy. You go, I'm sorry, everybody. Stop. Hey, back of the room, Bobby Sue, Jimmy, Bobby, Kimmy. I don't care what your name is. Pay attention. Put your dang toys away. This is not playtime. We're right. learning. Right. That's what you're, that's what you do. That's what I know teachers it's, when it's I was growing of, up did. It's part I mean, of the job. It that's has the to job. Be, it has and, to and be going part of the to, job. The, to the workforce. If I have somebody working for me, if I'm a supervisor or a manager or director, doesn't matter. And I have people working for me and they're fiddle farting on their phone or playing a game, or I don't care playing Gallica on their computer instead of doing the job. My job is to come in and go, what the hell do you think you're doing? Right. That's not work. That's not what I'm paying you for. Get off of that. It, you're not on your lunch break. Get back to work. Right. I mean, how are we actually creating or setting these kids up for success in the workforce? We're not. If you can't start that at freaking elementary school level for crying out loud. Yeah, we're, we're just not. So, you know, this, this ties really nicely into what I wanted to ah. talk to you about. And that was that's the whole concept of, of, of ideologies, um, because I've been I've been thinking about ideology a lot lately um, and you know, at, at its most basic level, an, uh, an ideology is, it's a framework for decision-making. But more importantly, it's a framework around decision-making at the political and economic level. Now, any, I, you have to, and this is, this, is, this is really the root of why I wanted to start this podcast uh, in the first place, because I started to clue in and see these ideologies um, existing in the, in the world. And I thought, well, this is just a dumb way to be. Uh, and, and people that buy into ideologies uh, to me are on the verge of, of evil. Uh, they really are. Um, 
because of the way that the way that ideology grabs your mind and and holds on to you. Um, so I guess that raises the question of well, why is an is an ideology a bad thing? Um, you know, so what well, you go ahead? You have a question. Well, I I think it's important before because I, I think I know where you're heading, but before we go into why it's a bad thing, I think okay. it's probably best we define what an ideology is. Well, I did that. The ideology is a framework for decision-making focused at the political and economic level. Okay, so maybe maybe give me an example or two. Black I, Lives I mean, Matter is an ideology. Okay, okay. And Antifa is an ideology. Marxist socialism is an ideology. Communism is an ideology. Okay. Um, even conservatism to a large degree could be viewed as, as an ideology. Okay. And so how, how do you, how do you differentiate? You have to have, you do have to have a framework for decision-making for looking at politics and economics within society. You can't function appropriately unless you do. You certainly can't vote unless you have a process of decision-making. So how do you, so the question becomes, how do you look at something and determine, am I following an ideology or not? Mm -hmm. And, and my argument is, uh, is a primary reason why we started this podcast is we wanted to, we wanted to be able to work through our thought processes in this podcast, or at least I know I did, uh, and trying to work out, well, what are those things that we truly value? And when you, when you have a set of values and principles that guide your life, then your values and principles lead to your conclusions. Mm -hmm. When you follow just an ideology, you start at the conclusions and the conclusions, then you work backwards to try to figure out, well, what is, what are my values and principles from that ideology? From that, correct. When you start with the values and then look toward what your conclusions are, you, you lessen the risk and the possibility of standing in direct opposition to yourself. But when you pick the conclusions, then you try to work backwards, you'll often find that you have conflicting values, that your values will stand, some values will stand in opposition to one another. Right. Right. And, and we've talked about some examples of this where, um, you know, you say, well, you, if you're for X, I, I brought up um, pro-life as far as the anti-abortion mm -hmm. and uh, pro-death penalty as far as, you know, if you if you're for life and you're for the sanctity of life, then you can't be against abortion and for the death penalty at the same time. Correct. And that's how people get tripped up in a lot of um, arguments, particularly political ones. When it comes to, um, you know, taking from some, giving to others, are you for stealing or you're not? And that's where they get caught in these circular arguments and they end up going, well, wait, I, I don't know why I just am. And that's, if that's right. your only answer, that should be an indicator. You're probably outside of your own values. Right. Or because principles in that I, abortion is a really great one. And I don't mean to have this conversation, have a conversation no. about abortion, right. But it, it is a good one as a, as, a, as a simple example, because the, you know, leftists will say, you know, freedom of choice. I want to be able to, I want to be able to murder my, my children w without any repercussion on that. Um, 
the the problem with that comes where when you start to ask, well, how do you define a life? They they twist themselves into pretzels to try, you know, coming up with these different terms so that they can no longer look at something as being a baby, as being an infant. Um, and then yet they still wonder, you know, women will still go get an abortion. And then they still wonder why they are emotionally destroyed after doing so. They, they wonder why they're psychologically destroyed for doing so. Because it's a universal truth that you killed your child. That's why. <laughs> that, that's why you killed your child. Let's just call it what it is. You can call it a zygote. You can call it a clump of cells. You can call it an embryo. But at the end of the day, you killed your child. That's why you're emotionally and, and psychologically and spiritually destroyed. Because fundamentally, as a human being, we know that it's wrong. Right. But you're well, twisting yourselves up into a pretzels to try to accept the fact and, and just say, well, I want, I want the conclusion because the conclusion, it feels nice, right. but the reality and, is a completely different thing. Go ahead. And, and we've talked about this before too. If you've got an argument or, and you're looking at whether you agree or disagree, if you change one of the variables or flip sides, and if it still holds true, then your argument should be fairly sound. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to use the abortion as an example. Again, this is not an abortion discussion, but had this same discussion with a, a co-worker not long ago. Um, I said, well, if you're for it and you want the right to basically murder your baby, okay, well, what if somebody else gets to make that decision for you? What right. if it's apparent that this baby may be deformed right. or diseased right. or mentally disabled. Right. And what if the government or the physicians say, this baby is going to be a drain on our society. We're going to murder it for you. Sure. And this particular person seemed very shocked and offended by that. How dare you? Well, what's the difference? Right. And it's, I know that's, that's an extreme example, but really you, you have to ask the question. It's, it's just an honest, and I'm, it, I said, it's, it's a, not that I'm trying to persuade you one way or the other. I'm just saying, if you have the power in one person's hand, if you can give the power to somebody else and you're still okay with it, then I can believe that you believe that's all right. I mean, th look how, look how demented this gets. There are now people who are saying, well, you know what, if you're against abortion, then you know what we should do? We should take male children and give them vasectomies. Forced vasectomies. What? Yes, this is a new, this is a new concept that is coming up because the, uh, the pro-aborts want to murder children as much as possible. They want unlimited murdering of children for as long and and they want free reign they want total absolute narcissism they want to they want to be able to murder children and so now they're trying to say well if you want to stop us from murdering our children the women women are saying this this is actual women saying this if you want to stop us from murdering children then don't let us have that choice and the way to not the way to ensure that we don't have that choice is to take young boys literally when they're children and give them a vasectomy. And then you reverse it when the child grows up 
and they are now entered into a relationship with a woman and they want, and the couple now wants to have a child. This is how sick and demented these people are because you're. And, so and, you would have to go get a birthing permit, which allows exactly. you to reverse this, the vasectomy. I think we had a, a child ration, something like that in, in other countries before, right. and that didn't work well. This is, these are the same people who will argue in favor of, you know, doing something for children, like giving them free education and stuff, right? Do it for the children. Give them vasectomies as well. Should we give vasectomies to young boys for the children? Should we do that for the children as well? I mean, that, that's how sick and demented these people are, okay? Because what they're doing, the problem with an ideology is you look out at the cornucopia of conclusions and you say, this conclusion looks good, and this conclusion looks good, and I'm going to bring them together. Well, the question then becomes, well, what do you value? Because if, if, for example, if I say, well, I don't want to pay more in taxes, but I want you to pay more in taxes, those seem like perfectly great conclusions to me. So then what do you value? Obviously, you don't, obviously you value high taxes and low taxes at the same time, right? Low taxes for me, but high taxes for you. Well, are you, what's your position on taxation in general? And you say, well, it depends. No, what's no. your value with regard to people keeping the fruits of their own labor? What do, what's your view of that? Do you think people are entitled to what they earn or not? That's a very simple question. Well, I'm, in, I'm entitled to what I earn, but nobody else is entitled to what they earn. Well, and it's always, but I don't make very much. So but I, I don't should make get very it. much. Right. Okay. Well, I don't know anybody out there, even millionaires who believe that they make very much. There's always going to be a disparaging level of right. earnings. And I hate to say it, but you know, there's, there's a lot of people that that gap from the quote unquote rich people, mm -hmm. that level of what we consider to be acceptable, rich people keeps getting lower and lower and lower and lower. And pretty soon the uh, minimum wage worker is going to be right up there with the rich 1% who aren't paying yeah. their fair share. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was uh, around 2001, 2002, there was a politician, I forget his name, who said that the definition of rich in the United States should be set at $65,000 a year. <laughs> um, that was, that was, and he was in Congress at the time. And he wanted to, whenever he talked about raising taxes on the rich, he meant anybody who made $65,000 a year or more. We now have people that are so, that are so in, enamored by their ideology where they are now saying, we have Americans saying this, that we should have that the United Nations, that the rest, because we are such a big, powerful and rich nation, that the United Nations should actually have a say in Congress. I, I heard that actually. Okay. Yep. yep. And what, what most American, and you might think, well, yeah, that sounds like a fantastic idea until you realize that even if you make $10,000 a year in the United States, you are below the United States poverty line. There has to be a line somewhere, right? And you're below it if you make $10,000 a year. But if you make $10,000 a year, you are you are a member of the elite rich when compared to the vast swaths and majority of the world. Right. We do not, you do not want these, you know, the mass amount of people 
around the world having a say on American taxation, because guess what? Anybody makes $10,000 or more, you're rich in terms of the eyes of the world. Well, and, and if you want to know what the United Nations, I'm, and since you brought them up, I'll pick on them for a minute, um, thinks about American wealth as far as what we owe. Yeah. We pay more to the United Nations than any other two countries combined. Sure. Just to, be, to sit at the damn same table. Right. And for what reason? Does right. anybody know? Well, because there's more accumulated wealth in the yeah. United States than any other country. So since you make more, you should pay more. Right. That's exactly how they work. So we're if you pin- don't like that, that's, we're, we're getting close. We're, we're a pinata when it comes to the rest of the world. They just look at us, look at us like a big old gigantic piggy bank, which is one of the reasons <laughs> why I liked Trump so much, right? He was the first president uh, probably since Reagan, who said, you know what, we're not a piggy bank. You guys need to own your own keep over there in Europe and Africa and Asia. And our money is our money. And you need to figure out another place. Well, of course, a lot of nations right now are happy that Biden got elected because we're a piggy yeah. bank. Biden will give the money away. He has no problem giving our wealth away to people. Uh, and that, that should be concerning to people. So, you know, that when, when again, when we're talking about ideology, ideologies are bad because you get to pick and choose your conclusions and then you get to, and then you can say, well, let me try to back in what my values are, but that's how you, that's how you wind up contradicting yourself and you get into these. And, and so what, what we should do is we should say, you know what? I value something. These are my values. And when somebody says, well, should we have proposition 208? I don't know. Let me determine how my value, what my values tell me. So you pass that through your values. And if you value things like, well, I don't think it, I don't believe that we should target a subset of the population in taxation because I value low taxes in general. Well, then you should be against it. But when you have these really crazy convoluted rules of taxes, Okay. And you think that, yeah, the rich stick it to the rich and you know, the, the poor give me more Then you don't have any values on taxes. You just have, well, whatever's not being you that's taxed. That's what you value. Right. That's no way to live life. You got to remember your employer falls into that category. And so your raise does depend on what they have. And I'm sorry, raises are, are, they're, they're not automatic. And, and right. I, I know a lot of people that think that every year they get their annual raise and it's just going to be that they can just count on it. Um, well, if you actually put businesses in this state, congratulations, Arizona, you've done that, um, where they are not able to develop, they're not able to hire more, you have less people, you will have less people trying to do more work for the same rate, if not less, um, and if you can't handle that, well, guess what? Because we raise the minimum wage so much, they can hire just basically anybody to do your job and twice over. And there's a lot of businesses that are looking to expand. We've got a lot of people coming in from um, California and other states where trying the cost of doing business is extremely high, where Arizona is a lot more friendly to businesses or was. Or was. But won't be anymore. Won't, won't be, any, be anytime soon. Um, I mean, we basically gave all those new developers and those new businesses the big middle finger at the border. <laughs> Don't bother stopping. Yeah. Either keep driving or turn back and go the other direction. Yeah. We we basically flip the finger. 
um, because we have people that they claim they cling to ideology more so than than values and principles. And they say, yeah, let's tax those people, get them. Well, what do you believe in? Do you believe to do you, do you, do you not see that when you say tax those people that and get, get them that you're saying get them to your fellow Americans for crying out loud? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, you're giving free reign to somebody to say that to you. Sure. At some <laughs> point, at some point, everybody's going to be a minority, and the the smallest minority is a minority of one person. So, no matter what kind of how you want to you know switch your categories around. You're, whether you want to say, you know, I'm, you can, you can be in any kind of category where, whether it's male, female, uh, by ethnicity, black, Hispanic, white, whatever, uh, college educated versus not college educated. Uh, you live in cold climate versus living in hot climate. Uh, I, I mean, the, the way that we can cut and slice people and put them into buckets is, is, is immense. And, <laughs> There was, I don't know if you remember this, because I think this was when you were up here um, in Flagstaff. They were actually looking at imposing a snow tax to people in Flagstaff. What is a snow tax, you ask? That's an excellent question, Dr. Ramirez. Let, Let me answer that. That was an extra tax on your income to assist in covering the clearing of roadways here in the Flagstaff area. Where it snows where it snows are you kidding me we can't balance but that's i'm sorry that's you take that all right so you take roadways because they're having a hard time managing roadways i could see some people going uh yeah okay a lot of people going no that's your freaking job do your job manage the roadways right now let's pretend that was educating children and you don't have enough money to educate children and do it effectively. So you say, well, we're going to re- increase taxes, but it's for the children. Everybody goes, sign me up. I'm cool. Sign me up. Go ahead. Not a problem. Yeah. They don't change anything. The money right. never actually gets there. You right. tell me that a single teacher's salary is going to be affected by this 208 BS. No. You think actually one penny is actually going to go in there to no. to really help educate our kids? No. I call shenanigans. Matter of fact, right now I'd be surprised if any of these kids get back to in school for the remainder of this year. The way things are looking right now. So where's that money going? In 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 one more election, in another two more years, we'll have another ballot to raise taxes to pay for childhood education. Mark my words. Oh, we, had it, we do. We every had it. Year. We, we, every, every election, every election cycle, every yep. single election, there's another one. When I lived in Flagstaff, I worked with a guy and he, um, he was buying a new car, total lib. Ab- I mean, like left, left as they come, you know, in favor of like socialism, Marxism, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and he was going to buy another car. He actually left Flagstaff to go buy another car in another city. Yep. Why? Because the taxes were lower in that other city. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, why, why are you doing that? You are a socialist. 
Right. You are a Marxist socialist. You voted for this crap. You voted to put the tax because the tax went in place when I was living there. I'm like, you voted to raise taxes on sales tax for, for luxury items like this for buying another car. And now that you want to go buy another car, you drove to another city where the taxes were lower. You didn't want to pay the tax. You wanted everybody else to have to pay the tax around you. But how dare you? How dare you do that? I just find that just it it's it's mind-boggling to me. It's infuriating to me how these people behave and they think, well, I don't want to have to suffer it. I want everybody else to have to suffer it. Here's the kicker. Ideologues, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, each of these people, each of these groups of people, all of you communist Marxists out there, each of these ideologues, they always think when we're in power, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be protected. <laughs> Nothing is going to happen to me. Right. Bullshit. You know what Hitler did when he took power? He rounded up all of the ideologues and imprisoned them. And yep. some of them he killed. You know what Lenin, what, what, uh, you know, uh, Lenin and Stalin did as they were solidifying their power? They rounded up all of the ideologues and they sent them to the gulags and they killed them. Right. In, uh, you know, the, the ill, the Kim Jong-un and all of those groups over there in North Korea, they do the exact same thing. Anytime an ideologue begins to spring up in the slightest, they're murdered. You know, the Black Lives Matter Antifa, you guys will be the first ones on the chopping block if we, if, if that kind of tyrannical dictatorial power were put in place, because do you think, I mean, think about it. You're talking about a group of people, a bunch of ideologues running around causing mayhem over to with the whole purpose of overthrowing those who currently have power. Right. They've now overthrown the person with power, secured power for their side. One person assumes command. The one person who now has command says, oh, shit. These same groups of people, if they threw out the old guys, they're going to be able to throw me out. I better take care of them. I better silence them. Yep. They don't, they don't, they want mindless, the, those who are in power, they want people that are just mindless, that aren't going to be paying attention. They don't, you know, they're not ideologues. They just want to go about their lives. They want to rule over them because you, you, you can't be a ruler unless you have people to rule over. Sure. But they're going to clamp down on the ideologues. You guys are going to be the first ones to go to the gulags. They, they just, you don't, you don't get it. Yeah. Wake, uh, any group idiots. or any, any, uh, I'll, I'll even call it a society, if you will, that demonstrates an ability to unify and rise and stand for any belief or ideology or whatever it would is. You are targets yeah, of a tyrannical government. Every time there have been multiple examples, and, and this throughout history, where you, you brought up a couple um, in the communist regimes. I mean, the um, uh, Hitler actually targeted the Freemasons um, during Nazi Germany because they demonstrated the same kind of ability to unite and band together and rise. Um, the Knights Templar were slaughtered on Friday the 13th by the Catholic Church for the exact same reason. Yeah. They actually, it's, this does not, this goes back, I mean, from the beginning of time. I mean, if you want to take a biblical standpoint, that's um, why the Jews actually turned in um, Jesus mm -hmm. and why they rounded him up because he had the ability to bring people to him and rise and stand against 
the powers that be at the time. This is nothing new. If you want to see what's going to happen to you in the future, look to the past. It's the it's the best predicator of future behavior is past behavior. Well, and we have leftists right now that are are vocal, uh, that are in these groups like Black Lives Matter and Antifa. We ha- there are these leftists who said who have gone on record and said the gulags weren't that bad. They were just yeah. a camp, and they just taught you things. It, yeah. life it was a re-education bad. center. Yeah, life wasn't that bad in the gulag. Are you freaking kidding me? It was atrocious. It was absolutely atrocious. Uh, and, and you need to read up on those gulags and what they've done in there. And Applebaum has a fantastic book called The Gulag, uh, and in which she talks about all of the, the all of the atrocities that happened in the gulag, and how anybody and everybody was getting rounded up and being sent there. Uh, and imprisoned for anything and everything. Most people didn't even know why they were there, yep. and it didn't matter. They were, they didn't go to court. They did. They didn't uh, appear before a court. Uh, they had no idea what their crimes were. Uh, many people were never um, released. Uh, they millions of people died in the gulags, uh, and it, you know some people some people were at were released. And then they got arrested again and went back. Right. Uh, why? They have no idea. They were just, it was, your number got pulled and you had to go back. Um, and, and I think I told you this story, you know, in, in one situation at the gulags there in, in, the, um, in the Ukraine, there was, there was a group, of, there was a camp that they had to cut down trees. And they yep. were so exhausted of cutting down trees for like 22 hours a day that the people, the, the prisoners, in order to get rest, because they were so dehydrated, so malnourished, so tortured in terms of working in sub-degree temperatures with little to no protection from the elements, the only way that they could get a break was they cut their hands and feet off. Imagine being so dejected and so oppressed and so tortured that cutting your hands and feet off is preferable to the oppression that you're suffering yeah. just so that you can stop working for a little while. That's the and kind yeah, of shit that happened. They weren't that bad or that, that bad. would never yeah. happen here. That would, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like that. It would be a yeah. new form of concentration camp or yeah. I mean, uh, re-education sure. center. We, we ha- we've had politicians just in the last week who have said that Trump supporters that we should, who was it, uh, and uh, AOC came out and said, well, we need to keep a listing of all of the people who are yeah. Trump supporters. Right. Oh, really? That's, if that doesn't scare the hell out of anybody out there. I So again, I, what I talked about flipping this argument. Could you imagine if Trump came out and said, we need to keep a list in a tally, if he had won the election, mm-hmm. of everybody who voted for this socialist agenda, yeah, and 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 we need to keep a list, name, address, phone number, and we need to keep a watchful eye on these people. Yeah, could you imagine that? I'm sorry, that would piss me off, even as a Trump supporter, quote unquote. Right. I, I I mean, that's insanity. And yet, and yet here we are, here we are. How can anybody support that? How can anybody on just on the basis of that alone, 
hear that and say, okay, even, even if you deep down don't agree, how can you at least just on the surface look the other way? Well, Shame and on then you. It, Shame at, on you. You say that out of one side of your mouth and then the other side you go on TV and say, now's the time where we need to demand unity. Right. Are you serious? After all of really? this? I mean, one, where was unity over the last four years when you were talking about right. the uh, increasing the division? Right. Um, I mean, hell, the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa, that was all about the division. Where was yeah. unity then? Yeah. And you're going to come out and actually say that now? And then in the meantime, and I actually sent you a, a broadcast um, uh, clip not uh, just today, I think it was, um, talking about we need to, we as in the left and the Democrats need to absolutely obliterate any semblance of a Republican party left yeah, so that we can ensure that they don't have some sort of uprising against it. Beating Trump was not enough. We have to obliterate any idea of conservatism left in this country. Right. What people Americans should be now here's, here's the, here's the problem. There are going to be people that hear those kinds of things that believe that or yes. they they identify as a democrat and they might think that they're a righteous democrat i'm i'm mm -hmm. for the people i'm for democracy i'm for freedom i'm for liberty all these kinds of things and they're going to hear fellow democrats say that and and you can hear it from multiple people there are multiple examples that this is something that is happening across the democrat party across the modern day left these are things that are happening. The problem is, if you if you think about that, it's very scary to say, I have to distance myself from this party. I can't believe in that part. That I'm not saying run to the Republicans, but if you any, this is like people who join a cult. When people join a cult, we who are on the outside of the cult, we like to look at them and say, how could you join a cult? Right. Didn't you know better? No, the problem is, is when you're in the cult to begin with and you start seeing these things, cult, it's a typical cult mentality. They begin to make excuses for what's happening in the cult. Right. You see it all the time in Scientology, for example. People start to make excuses for, the, for those in the cult that are doing and saying these crazy things and just saying, oh, that's a one-off thing. And that's a one-off thing. Well, how many, how many one-off things does it have to take, does it take before you finally open your eyes? And yet... When we do open our eyes, the truth hurts. When I say that the truth hurts, it for a lot of people to finally come to grips with things like this, where they've invested so much of who they are, this is why I say to people, don't put all of your hopes and dreams into politicians because they will let you down every single time. And when people start to realize, oh my God, they don't want to face that truth because it's earth shattering. Sure. There, people, when they have these epiphanies and they realize that they've been lied to all of their lives, they, 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 when they realize that I've wasted, I've spent so much time and energy and money and resources and all these other things invested in it, they, it's painful for them yeah. to it, to it, go away, to turn away from it. It's well, it, it, it fractures, it. it fractures at the core because it's yeah. almost tearing at the fabric of who they've. Um, come to identify themselves as i mean it's it's part of their personality it's part of yeah. who they are so and it's it's like ripping part of the soul almost out of them because yeah. that's that's how they've identified themselves and it takes and and years to recover sure and that is 
defining yourself by an ideology. That's yeah. the danger of right. that. And and see when you when you're not embold when you're not beholden to that ideology, if a new piece of information comes in, and let's say let's say now it's new it's new information that you didn't have before, and and it's truthful information, you can at least look at it and say, okay, that's truthful. And what you can do is you can add that into your collective schema of your values and principles. You make those slight adjustments and you keep moving forward and it doesn't wreck you. It doesn't wreck you the way it does. Like when you're beholden to an ideology and you start seeing all of the craziness because the, the, you've, you've put too much of yourself into the, the framework, into this idea of stuff. And when those, when that starts falling down and you start seeing the inconsistencies, it's very, very painful. And it's literally like emerging from a cult and it can take years before people can even talk about it. Well, and not only that, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's very dangerous when you look at some of these, the cults and when they're actively seeking that religious affiliation for that. Yeah. And, and that's, it, it might be difficult for some people, <coughs> excuse me to see the difference between um, religious affiliation and a cult fellowship. I mean, one of the biggest things, and I, I always look for, well, does the religion, quote unquote, that you're adhering to demand your attendance, demand your presence, and forbid you from leaving? Right. Because that's a key indicator. You know, I, and, you know, Scientology, since you brought that up, I mean, that's that's one of the things you you have to adhere to right away is you will be present. You will be around. You will give X amount of your earnings. It's they tax their membership. Oh, um, yeah. In, in Scientology, you have to give like, you know, quarter of a million long. dollars, 300 <laughs> million or quarter 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 of a million, like three hundred thousand dollars or whatever to a chain to attain the highest levels. Uh, and, and that's often per person. So if you yeah. have a family and you're trying to go through the, the, the church of Scientology and, and, and even when people get to those high levels and they, and even in some cases when they realize this is a sham and what have I done with my life? And I wasted all this money. There are still people that they can't pull away from it because to do so would completely destroy their entire lives around what it is that they've believed in for so long well and, and i've heard people them. say it's 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 not even what they believe in it's who they are right right they don't know who they are outside of it right and that's you know i'm a i'm a christian but i know who i am aside right. from being christian being christian is part of who i am it's not who i am that's a big i guess definitive indicator for me that that's a religious influence on my life it's not a cultish ownership of it well and and i'm i'm glad you ideological up, ownership of it right and i'm glad you brought up the the religion factor because you know in religions that's where we that's where we can get our values and principles that that define who we are and can guide us through life and when we have those values and principles instilled on us in something like let's say christianity then we can we can take the, those ideas, those concepts in the political and the economic realm, and we can pass them through that value set in our religion to say, what should I vote for, right? right? And and sometimes you're going to vote for something that is liberal, and sometimes you're going to vote for something that's conservative because it it those individual things 
align as an individual item aligns with your values rather than you being conflicted because you're just uh, you're just voting for all of the liberal things and you're wondering I feel like a crazy person because everything's conflicting with me. Well, and and look, ideologues in general despise religious people. They do. They despise religion. Right. And if you need any recent evidence of that, look at our last Supreme Court justice confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. Look what that lady went through. And 90% of that was about her being Catholic. And yet, and yet Joe Biden is also a Catholic. But yeah. here's the difference that I notice. The Joe D Biden, after the name? What's that? The D after the name? No, 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 no. Mm. I'm not even going to make it a political argument. Oh, okay. I'm going to make it a vocal one. I've, I know from previous that Joe Biden's Catholic, but I have never once heard him talk about his nope. Catholic beliefs, his religious influence on his life or why he made decisions or ever said, I do this, but this goes against my religious belief. On the other hand, our new Supreme Court justice has had no qualms whatsoever about saying that she is religious and believes in those religious values. Yeah. That's a big problem for ideologues. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we did it. Okay. We'll we'll come back to this. I think oh, we yeah. need to go go into this we, a lot we more. We need to we need to come back to this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe in the next one we talk about cults because uh, I, I I okay I've been I've been uh, doing some research more and more on cults. I'm just finding that the whole process of looking at ideologies and morphs yeah. into cults and all kinds of other stuff like that. So that was fun. So let's talk about that in the next one possibly. Okay. So, um, okay, everybody. Well, you know, this is, this has been a fun one. Uh, we'll continue to, uh, you know, sorry again for getting the, the whole, uh, podcast out late this week, but my uh, fault. It, it, and, and my, whatever, uh, <laughs> we'll get it out there and we'll keep going and then we'll record again this weekend. So we'll have another one yep. out there for next week as well. Um, again, you can find all of us, all of our stuff out on our website at the, at the, www.fusionunderground.net. Um, you can't find us on Twitter at the moment because they completely shut me down. I didn't even get a chance to talk about that. Might have to get into that later. So I haven't been able to post anything on Twitter because I've wow. been, I've been uh, put in the naughty box for being a conservative. Um, we are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash AZ Fusion Underground. All right. All right. So. Okay. Yeah, you and I are going to have to talk about You didn't yeah. even tell me that. I know. I haven't had a chance to. So, all right. Okay. For Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez, and you've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Peace. Have a good night. <laughs>